Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, QA Live number 283. I should say two, episode 283. Kind of feel bad now. It's episode. It's not a number. It's an episode. Uh, this one was from Wine Guy, who says, Phil, look in, look into your crystal ball. I wish I had one. And let us know when you see the next price increase for guitars and amps. I got gas, but I would like to wait. I don't have a crystal ball. What I can tell you is what I've been hearing. Uh, and that's more important. You know, it's not what so much like, oh, I think this can happen. You know, you hear you, what, what I've been hearing is there's a lot of companies that are inventory rich right now. So... So you have a, a you have an interesting issue where a lot of companies I can't speak for every company but a lot of companies right now are sitting on inventory and they're not broke. So that would be really concerning if they had a lot of inventory and no money. But I'm not saying that they're they're not they don't have any money. They just had a couple years of boom. So they're not necessarily broke. They have money, but they also have a lot of money tied up in inventory and they'd like it to turn back into money again. And why that's important is, is that it seems like a lot of them have the same idea, which is to blow out a lot of stuff during fourth quarter. Um, and I can tell you that stuff is in the lower price, definitely the lower price categories, inexpensive amps, inexpensive uh, guitars, inexpensive things. Um, whatever you think inexpensive is, we'll say student grade. I think that kind of paints a picture, doesn't it? Student grade instruments. Uh, where, you know, if you were going to get into guitar, that would be the price points you were at. And then a lot of the mid-tier price points. Definitely sub $600 uh, dollar guitars. Definitely sub, let's say, three $400 amplifiers. Seems to be a lot. Um, it was funny that I had talked to some companies and I got that sense that they were all saying the same thing. And then when I was in California the week before last, we went to a guitar center. And uh, maybe two, I don't remember. And I just remember them having towers and towers of like, like they were building, building the Mayan pyramids in those stores out of the amp boxes. Um, there was just, I remember we walked by a, a pile. It must've been 50 katana, 50, 50, 50 watt katanas stacked up, which isn't new for guitar center, but this was just a bigger pyramid pile than normal of katanas. And then next to that was a huge pile of sparks and then a huge pile of orange amps and then a huge pile of like line six. And it was just really, it made you really aware that there's a, a lot of boats showed up at the same time and dumped off a lot of product. So a lot of companies are, like I said, I'm going to say uh, product rich right now because they just have lots of product and inventory rich. And so you're going, I would imagine you're going to see four real discounts and sales. In fact, since uh, that's what I believe is happening, speakers responding already. Um, what I all can tell you is a couple companies have flat out said on the down low privately that they're going to like literally bash prices down to almost like dealer pricing and dump. Um, in fact, there's some concerns on how that might might hurt the the dealer networks. Um, so yeah, there's just uh, Matt says there's a glut of inventory. That's ex exactly it. Interesting enough. Product, a lot of products still selling well though. So, so it's a weird, it's a weird time now. You're still selling a lot of high-end stuff. That seems to be moving. That doesn't seem to be gunk gunking up. And that seems to be what I see too. Is a lot of high-end products still moving to some degree. And then 
one of the things that I've told you guys before, one of the things that happened before when we were talking, uh, when I talked to companies, when they say it's slowed down and slowed down, I go, I always try to gauge that. And, and, uh, a lot of times when they say slow down, they mean it's back to like 2019 numbers, which was one of the highest years in our industry since basically that last big recession. So, so basically I don't think a lot of companies are going to price increase much, and I think they're going to fight it. I can tell you this, String Swing, as you guys know, I really love String Swing, and String Swing has announced that they're going to exorb all their price increases. Uh, well, and I say all, let me get to the end of the punchline. They're going to absorb as many of the price increases they can is what they're doing, which is most of them. And on a few items they can't, they're going to roll out a 10% price increase, which isn't very big in that it may, as a percentage, I mean, it's a lot percentage, 10%, but when you're talking about items, you know, $13, so it's going to go to 1430 in our inflationary sense, it doesn't seem out of control. So what I see now is a lot of companies trying to hold back price increases because they they just don't see that working in their favor for purchases. And you see a lot of companies um, do this and, uh, uh, you know, with a lot of inventory. And when I say that there's like a perfect storm, let me just tell you this. I have never, since I've been doing this YouTube game, I have never had this many companies come to me for a video. Um, I had to sit down, I had to sit down, a real sit down, a real talk with my wife. Like, I mean, it was like a, it was a heartfelt really talk. We had to talk about the fact that either I could say yes to most of these companies, which would mean I'd be working nonstop six, seven days a week from between now and Christmas or at the end of the year, or, you know, do I want to take some of it? And it's just an amazing amount of, of, of companies asking for promotion, talking, you know, get this, they want to get, they want you guys to be aware they have stuff. Let's just put it that way. Uh, it's definitely, and, and before, so you understand the scope of it. If I was just to selectively pick just my favorite gear to go, okay, this is just the stuff I'm interested solely. I still couldn't make that many videos. I've never made that many videos in that much time. And I've just never seen, and it actually to the point where it's still every day, I'm still getting emails. I wake up every day with another company saying, Hey, can you make a video? Can you make a video? Can you make a video? So that definitely tells me exactly what I said. They wouldn't be asking, uh, you know, us to make videos, us meaning the people making a lot of content. They wouldn't be asking us to make videos if they were broke, because obviously there's some expense in that. And I think it's because right now it's about their inventory. They just want the inventory cleared out. So that's what I, there you go. So be aware of that. I would imagine you're going to see some really good deals between now and Christmas. All right, let's talk about some guitar stuff. Okay, so the next was uh, Frank Rizzo wants to know, Phil, what is your opinion on Italian-made guitars and amps? Uh, what would you like to get your hands on? You know, I, I ironically had two Italian guitar companies reach out to me over the years, and uh, one wanted to do a build, and like I don't keep the guitar, but you guys get to see it, you know, kind of deal. They get it back when it's done, and then one was like, we'll build it and you get to keep it, which is very exciting. For me, at least, because <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's exciting, right? I'll get to dream up something. But I was really excited about both of them, and uh, they never, both companies kind of flaked out on me. So there you go. <laughs> so I, I don't know. And, and when I say flaked out, I want to be very fair. Could, could, could they call me one day or email me and say, hey, yeah, we're still doing it? Or, yeah, it's possible. But I mean, it's been, I mean, I don't want to say years, but it's been, 
a long time. <laughs> long enough to have almost two children back to back. So, uh, so I, so to answer your crank, uh, question, Frank, uh, those were the only really companies I knew and um, they're, you know, that happened. And both companies reached out to me. And like I said, that's why I think, I think uh, uh, I've told you guys this before. I don't know what it is about the custom made guitar thing. My theory and my friend's theory was every time there's a custom company that reaches out to me and talks about doing a build video series, I tend to get excited and talk about it with you guys. And I think what happens is, is especially early on, I didn't realize like, Hey, these videos are hitting, you know, 40, 50,000 views on these live shows. I didn't realize like it only takes like five of you or 10 of you to get excited and go, Hey, he's talking about the guitar and you look it up and you get excited and then you buy them. And then they're like, ah, he already kind of sold a bunch of guitars for us or whatever they're interested in, whatever it is. I feel like they get what they want out of it. Again, that's all speculation because I don't know, you know, companies go dark. That's what they do. And again, I can only tell you guys what happens when I deal with these companies. Um, and I can tell you how little interest I have on continuing a lot of relationships with a lot of companies. Um, okay, the next one's from Randy. I love this question. It says, Phil, do you think digital technology will take the place of amps and cabs on stage and studio? Randy, I think it's already happening now. I think it's uh, it's definitely happening. Yesterday, I was uh, lucky enough to get out of the house for a few minutes. It was actually perfect for me and go have lunch with some good friends. My buddy Thor, I maybe you've seen Thor before on the channel or at least on my Instagrams. Good friend. Used to teach at my lesson academy. Um, I've known him for many years. I've stayed at his house when I go to Nashville. And um, his uh, and so uh, him and a good friend Scott, we went and had lunch and a coffee, and we got to talk. And really, what we were talking about is how we were basically all using like he's using the uh, the uh, uh, HX HX Stomp. I'm using like a Kemper. Uh, Scott's using a Kemper. We were talking about you know what we liked about those things and how funny it is that we're all amp freaks. We all have nice amps, but yet here we are using this digital stuff. And I I think this digital stuff is more than just what it used to mean to us, which is like uh, an affordable alternative to uh, amps or this, hey, I can have every tone. I think the way digital was sold to us in the past, now, we're not even talking about how it sounds. I'm talking about just how the marketing logic went. Used to be like, it's it's like, uh, it's every amp you ever wanted all in one box. And then we all kind of slowly learned like, maybe not that, right? <laughs> right? Maybe it's not that. Um, and and now I think what, the way it's kind of used is the way I use it and a lot of players use it, which is a convenience tool. It's a necessity tool. It's like it's light. It's easy. It's easy to manage. It does low volumes. It does high volumes, uh, loud volumes, just say. Um, so I think digital is not only the future. It's here. I, I just don't think there's a world like I. if you're asking me, do I think the tube amp will one day be like the blockbuster video and there'll be like none or one left on the planet. No, I don't think amps ever go obsolete. I, like I said, I still feel like a lot of you guys that are watching that, you know, they'll go, they'll eventually become really expensive because the components will become expensive and they'll be rarer to see because of the expense of them. But, uh, and functionality, people will just go, Hey, you know, um, I don't need 10 amps when I can have, you know, one nice ax effects or whatever. But, What's funny about that is, is uh, I, as you guys know, if you've been watching the channel really closely, you can tell something's up with me and amps and you can see what I've been doing with my journey in amps lately. And you can see what I'm trying to do is instead of having nine or 10 amps or 12 amps or whatever I've had, I'm trying to have like two or three amps that I absolutely just love 
not that I say they do everything I want, just they, I love them. I enjoy them and I, I can use them, but then I'll pretty much use my digital stuff for everything else. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and again, I want to be very clear on this because it always comes up the neural DSP, the Kemper, the Axe effects, the helix, uh, you know, uh, amplitude, uh, you know, um, you name it, whatever your digital, uh, product is. Um, I've used them all to some extent. I like all of them in some ways. There's something I like about all of them. I chose the ones I did based on just a box checking. Like it sounded the way I wanted it to sound. It, it functioned the way I wanted to do. It had an interface that I under, that I enjoyed. So literally, I, I wish I would I could tell you like I picked a Kemper over Axfex for sound or because it's better. I don't feel that way at all. I don't feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel like any of that stuff. I just feel like just it worked. <laughs> it's a function and it worked for me. Kind of like as simple as sometimes you just like, I like where they put the button. That <laughs> makes it easy for me to understand what I'm doing. Um, and I have found a way to marry those two things together. In other words, I have real amps and I have digital and I love both and I use both for totally different things. And I don't see a world where I don't have both, but I do see a world where I have less and less tube amps overall. Um, Greg says, hey, how come there are no top tiers on Patreon's members available? I want to support the show because the information you have provided us uh, with in, is invaluable. Thank you for the uh, compliment. Um, uh, I, I saw your message. Thank you for coming early and putting that. I opened up the tier, the top tier. So what he's talking about is, so you guys know, if, you, if you're not a patron and you guys ever think about doing patron, I have tiers and then I open up how many spots. And a lot of that has to do with, the biggest thing it has to do with is, uh, especially the top tier is that when you sign on to the top tier, you're either getting a custom made shirt or you're getting a custom made shirt and a, uh, I, I think, I don't know what we call it. <laughs> it's like a swag bag. It's a swag bag. It's a thing. Um, it's a pack. And, uh, my wife puts it together. And it's all my favorite things in a, in a bag that she sends out. And of course she makes the custom shirt. Um, my wife had surgery this week. She's doing fine. Everything's great. Um, and so when I know stuff like that's coming up, like my wife's not going to be uh, able to work every day or uh, maybe, you know, maybe she's out of town. There's all kinds of things. And I know she can't do some of the stuff like sit down and design a shirt for you guys. I hold back spots because I don't want you to get a spot. And then the last thing I want to get an e is an email. And it happens every once in a while. And I feel bad about it. You know, I get an email two, three weeks after you signed up and said, hey, I'm not trying, you know, I got signed up, but I never got anything. And so I'm, uh, we just try to stay up on it. So we're on it now. So if you were to sign up now, there's a couple spots open. If you want to take those, if you're so inclined, uh, there is packs to send, send out. They would get out Monday, however. And it's, uh, it's not, not, uh, I don't want to overhype it. It's, it's like I said, it's a bag of things that my wife, uh, put together. They're my favorite things. It's my favorite it's actually my two favorite kinds of picks. So you get a bag of each one of my picks that I actually use. Uh, they're, they're exactly what I use. Uh, my favorite measuring tool, which is the Music Nomad tool. Um, she literally buys all these things. Uh, she, I told you guys the story. She went into my room one day. She picked out everything that I, she knew I liked. With my tuner I liked, my strap I liked, everything I, I liked. She basically got that information and she bought that stuff. And that's what she sends out. She thinks it's, I, I think it's an amazing idea. She, she just wants to share. It's like just to have a moment, you know, share a moment with somebody. Um, what else? Guitar stuff. Uh, <laughs> Brian said, I just bought the Music Nomad string height tool. Tool. You know what? I have not responded to the Music Nomad, guys. I'll share this with you. 
you know what? It's funny that it's here. It was downstairs. Uh, Music Nomads, uh, I got a package, and Music Nomads sent some new tools or new things. And there was a letter, like a handwritten one. I was like, a handwritten letter? And uh, it was basically saying they really liked uh, what I the, the program we did with uh, Stu Mac, and they'd like to do something like that. So I need to get back to them. I will uh, absolutely on Monday. That will be my priority uh, to reach out to Music Nomad. Um, as you know, I like their stuff. And um, I don't know, maybe it's cool. And then also to mention, that's a good tie-in to mention that you'll see a link down below to the Stu Mac program. They still haven't taken it down. So just use it <laughs> if you want it. It's a discount. You can get 10% off or you can get 50% off the thing. I'd say use it. Um, use it until they turn it off. It was supposed to be off on the 28th of September. So maybe they either, I don't know, maybe they want to keep it going. I don't know. But it's on. So it saves you money. Use it. All right. Uh, okay, here we go. Let's... Uh, Hold on a second. Uh, Can said he super, said a super chat and it disappeared. Can, um, don't worry about that. It's if there's a super chat that comes in and it's lost, like I said, they don't disappear for me. They're archived. I see them. Um, I'm going to look right now as I say that just to make sure. Yep, I have it, buddy. And uh, I tell you guys all the time, don't worry about that stuff. If ever there's a situation, very, very rarely, okay? I mean, I'm talking out of like 100 Super Chats uh, a month or whatever. I miss one, maybe, maybe. And sometimes miss two, but usually miss one. Um, you can just email me and say I missed it, and I'll try to, you know, scoop it. But it's very rare. I'm usually pretty thorough about getting to all of them because, you know, it's just, you know. A courtesy thing. It's just, you guys are supporting the channel. I try to support you back. I appreciate it. Um, but I also, like I said, even though you guys are so kind to like kind of financially support the channel, I want to also recognize there's people here just to be here. So that's why I don't immediately grab super chats. I know a lot of channels they read the super chats as soon as they see them. What I find is, is I the benefit of super chat is I get to spend time with everybody, and then the people who do the super chat know that the that if even if the show takes a little longer, I'll get to them. Okay. Uh, Lefty Mike wants to say, Phil, do you still have a Fender Supersonic? I don't. I miss it so much. So I had the combo and I, I finally let it go thinking I was going to buy the head. I really, really want to buy another one, but I'm really, really happy with the amps I have now and I just can't justify it. As you guys know, I like the Supersonic a lot, but I like it for a lot of reasons. There's a band called Biffy Clyro and uh, I, I like, and he uses that amp too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason why I kind of want it. Um, and uh, no, so I finally let that go to get the head because I just figured it would just save so much room to have the head in the rack. And then I just never pulled that trigger. So maybe soon, maybe, I don't know. Or maybe there's something coming. I, I really, like I said, I think in a couple, uh, in the next week or so, I think you're going to see something really, really cool. Okay. For not much more money. Okay. I'm just looking for, and also I didn't say it, but if you're kind of talking to me, um, Eric, the red says thoughts on the Shiji TM five. Uh, I don't have any thoughts on Shiji guitars. 
I mean, I don't know what to tell you about the TM5. Uh, Shiji, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the the small issues with Shiji, and I really like the quality in that brand, and I've said that many times. Uh, in fact, I ha I have been in debate. You guys can tell me, but don't tell me now. In these comments, you're gonna have to come back and put them in the permanent comments so I can see for later to get a real sense of what people are thinking. Shiji guitars are very, very good. The only issue I have, and it's very small, is the Ert guitars are almost as good for a quarter of the price. And if I could honestly tell you they're not as good as Shiji, they are definitely half as good on their worst day, and they're a quarter of the price. So I have in my possession right now a couple Shiji guitars and I have in my possession right now a couple Ert guitars all that you haven't seen and I've been debating on not only obviously doing videos but also just finally going hey here's a side by side on these two guitars because they are like in in specs and information and manufacturing and again dramatic difference in pricing dramatic um and the Shiji maybe, like I said, a little bit, little bit more attention to detail, a little bit more uh, accessories, uh, a nicer gig bag because they come with a gig bag. The Earths don't, but I mean, think about this: the Ert guitars are almost just, or I know, almost they're just a little bit more than what it's going to cost if you want to upgrade the pickups in the Shiji. So that's kind of my only holdback on Shiji. So they make great guitars, Shiji, but I, I. Uh, you know, that's the, the benefit and the curse of this gig. You got to understand, like, Shiji sent out some guitars. I checked them out. I was really impressed. I, I said that. But since Ert has sent out guitars and I've tried them, and then subsequently my friend has bought some, I bought an Ert. Two of my friends bought Erts. I bought an Ert. And again, I'm not saying they're the greatest thing ever. That's not, a, that's not it at all. As you guys know, they supply guitars. This is why these are one of those things I like where, yeah, you're – you're compromised because companies have sent you products. So of course, you know, but both companies have sent me products. So, I mean, I have no, I have no, uh, like benefit to pick one over the other. And, uh, what I will tell you is if I could pick a Shiji or an Ert, I would definitely for the price pick the Ert. And it's, and again, that, that's a, that's almost a single minded reason for doing that. So Terrace <laughs> Rex says both are shitty names. Yes, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna sugarcoat it. They're not the best names. <laughs> they're not. But you know, hey, they're good quality, and I think that matters more in the long run. But yeah, a cool name would be nice. Um. Uh, Sean Brooks. Oh God, Sean. <laughs> Sean says, why did Why did PRS get so much crap for a Strat copy, but every other guitar has one? First thing I noticed when I sent to Shiji, when I sent to Shiji's site, Sheezy, Sheezy's, Sheezy's, Jesus, Sheezy's. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give you my guess. This is my educated guess on PRS and why they got crap when they did that. There was a couple things happened. First, as many people that love uh, John Mayer, there are John Mayer haters, right? Right. So some people just like to hate on him because that's what they do. Um, there also uh, was uh, things that were said by PRS, like they spent two years developing the guitar, which is probably true. And there's a lot of explanation to why that would happen. However, 
a lot of people, a lot of guitar players reacted emotionally to the statement of they spent two years, two years developing a strat. But mostly I have always believed this and I still believe this to this day, which is Paul is has an opinion. He has told his opinion many times on many interviews across YouTube, whether you whether you agree with him, disagree with him, like him, don't like him, want to hear it, don't want to hear it. Many people's heard heard it because not only does Paul have an opinion, but remember PRS is one of the first adopters of the social media kind of revolution. In other words, so that, you know, some companies didn't even like. Now we see a lot of big companies on social media, but remember for the you know for years you wouldn't see any big companies on social media. It's like they didn't even know it existed. So PRS was an early adopter of getting their 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 stuff out there on social media. That means that Paul was out there and Paul said things and a lot of things he says he changes his mind or people change his mind. And that was one of those things. Like he says a lot of things like, so that's why it confuses people. <laughs> you know, he's, when he has an opinion, like this is the way a guitar should be. And then, you know, a couple years later, he's like, now we're making a guitar exactly the opposite of what I said. That kind of happens. So that's why Sean. Um, but there you go. Okay. Um, Um, hold on guys. I'm just looking up some. All right. Um, I'm just looking real quick uh, for a question or a subject as I scan. Yeah, a lot of you guys, I'm just really caught up now. I'm reading a lot of you guys' comments to Sean's comment about why your reaction is that. I think that's what he does. Uh, I think PRS Guitars is good at drawing people in to these kind of conversations. So... Um, but you know, that's the end of my opinion on that, to be honest with you. Um, uh, let's, let's do this one. Patrick says, Phil, 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 there's <laughs> three of us now. Uh, happy weekend. If I change my jumbo frets down to medium frets on a Wolfgang, will it cause intonation problems? Uh, no, not an, absolutely not at all. Cause you'll be adjusting your bridge. Uh, for the intonation, there will be no problem there. I mean, could, would it change it if you didn't make any adjustments? Yeah, of course. Um, it is possible it could change it slightly. Um, that being said, if I was gonna, I've already said this before. If you're gonna change from jumbo frets down to medium frets, the only concern you should have is that obviously the width of the fret will be narrower, and therefore, when you pull the fret out, there might be discolorization. 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 Say that three times fast. And uh, other things going on underneath the fret when you pull off fretboard. So sometimes, uh, depending on the fretboard and the material you're using, and in this case, I'm going to say it's probably maple and it's probably unfinished. So you can blend that all out and it'd be fine with some a sanding block. And uh, so no, no issues at all. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't deter me at all from saying yes. Let's do a fret job on that guitar if you're if you were asking. Uh, Vim sixty nine says great interview with Zach. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Vim's man. I appreciate that. It was an interesting thing. He's an intense personality. And uh, 
I had no idea, you know, who, you know, who we were reminded of interviewing him. I've interviewed a lot of people now. And over the years, as you interview people, you kind of see personality traits that connect. Uh, and he's kind of very, and I'm not, I shouldn't say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way. It's kind of very Phil X vibe to him that I never really thought about. He's like Phil X. They're both kind of crazy and you kind of like let them go, <laughs> right? You let them do their thing and you try not to squash it. That's the big thing. So the whole time I was talking to him, that's what I was really trying to do was not talk. So he would just could move, you know, keep his momentum going. Um, and I had that thing with Phil X too. If you let Phil go, it's just a, it's a great ride. But if you do anything, if you stop the momentum, they, you know, you got to, they got to, it's like, it's got to go away from ramp back up again. And so, yeah, it's great. So I had that kind of vibe to it. Uh, John says, uh, thanks for the invaluable work. I owe you a tasty beverage. I'm going to have a tasty beverage today after the show. I've had a pretty horrible week. So, um, <laughs> and I don't, and, and here's the thing. I ended my week with getting to hang out with Zach Wild. So you got to understand it was not a crap week. I mean, I'm hanging out with you guys. I hung out with Zach Wild today too. This all happened today. What a pretty cool day, but the week itself, the body of the week was pretty shittacular. Um, from watching various channels, I have an imbalance of guitars to amps. Okay. <laughs> I like where this is going. As an as I attempt bass, uh, too, I ordered a reissue Fender 59 Bassman 410 uh, Two Birds. Okay, so Two Birds, One Stone. Yes. Uh, so a couple thoughts. Yes, I have also, uh, like I said, I had and missed my Fender 59 Bassman amp. I also, like you, love the du dual purpose concept of I would run my bass through it. What I will tell you is a couple things to know about the Bassman 59, in my opinion, is is we'll take your bass, you plug in there. I usually usually run a compressor pedal into it just for me purpose, for my purpose. But that amp is great for bass, but it cannot turn up very loud because originally it was a bass amp. But remember, everybody kind of turned it into a guitar amp because it wasn't really a great bass amp. It was a really good guitar amp. So, um, so something to think of. It will do what you want. There's no uh, ner nervousness there. But like I said, it's not really a, I would not something I would plug a bass and gig with in today's day and age because we run bass pretty hard now. But in your bedroom, at your home, in a small studio, man, it's going to be fantastic. It's a good buy. It's a good amp. I like it. So I don't know if I said goodbye like that. I say that because I'm like, they're pretty expensive. Although since the since the you know the slowdown in the market, uh, now you can at least find them used again at somewhat reasonable prices. Um, they were for a while. They were used. They were just exactly what they were new or more. Uh, we all float here. Says hey Phil, upgrading my Sterling JP fifteen seven. Need a gold trim and tuners that will fit. Goto 510 seems to be the direct drop-in, but not sure. Any thoughts? You know, I've never done that modification, uh, but uh, that what I remember of the Sterlings I have played was they were definitely spec like Goto. So again, the only concern you really have to worry about is the spacing of the bridge posts, and that's something you should be able to measure especially if you have a caliper on your guitar and then of course get that information off the off Godo's website so that's the only thing i would uh, check is the 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 spacing of the two posts very easy to do make sure if you don't have a caliper use a measuring tape man just get it as close as you can and do your best guess um measure three four times <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be fine. It's uh, and uh, and look it up. But that's the only concern. Uh, I, and there, I don't think there'll be any others. Usually, sometimes like with squires, you have to worry about how thick the body is and the block on the bridge. Only concern I think you're going to run into is to make sure the bridge posts are the the correct spacing. If they're not, 
that could be modified, but it is not a fun experience if you've never done it before. It is an absolute fun experience if you ever want to learn to do it. <laughs> Can, we're back, Can, we're here, buddy. Says, Can says, hey, Phil, thanks for being here. Silent plug, Neutrix, loose, high-end, then standard Neutrix. Switchcraft, our Neutrix is better. Um, okay, so let me get to the core of what I think this is. I love the silent plugs by Neutrix. So we're talking about cables. All I gotta tell you is that's it for me. Uh, so I like Switchcraft's quality. Okay, so it's never a quality issue. So if you're asking about, so uh, do I have a cable? I do. Look at this. Look here, can I have exactly what you're talking about? Look at this is exactly what he's talking about. This is a Neutrik, uh silent plug. It's got this little plunger right here. You can see that. See, it's really hard to see it. See how I'm pushing in. So what happens is right now I'm pretty sure this cable is plugged into an amp in the room. So you can hear. You can't hear it. Oh, it's not because I pushed the sleeve down. So um, it's the amps off. So what happens is this is noiseless until you plug it into the guitar. Uh, this is my Neutrik. There's probably other brands that do it as well. I, uh, Planet Waves used to have one. Um, I like I like Switchcraft, but uh, I went to I went to Germany. I went to Germany a couple times, obviously for some all kinds of YouTube stuff. And uh, Klotz, which is what this cable is, Klotz was sponsoring a bunch of events, and they had everybody was using these cables and. I just fell in love with the fact that they were always laying on the floor and I'd pick one up and plug in my guitar. And then all of a sudden there was an amp. I was like, Oh, it's on. I'm like, and, um, this is an exclusive to Klotz. Uh, Klotz was nice enough to send this cable out to me. In fact, if you're diehard fans, you remember the episode when I unboxed these, um, I'm still using them. This is probably about two years ago. Absolutely beat them up. And, uh, I am a horribly abusive person to cables. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and for the record, for the worst reasons you can ever, uh, give, which is, I, I, like I told you guys, I have not bought cables in years and years and years. It has nothing to do with YouTube. Is when I had the store. I mean, that's what reps would do is they would bring in cables. Very few things that as a music store you get to experience where a rep comes in and hands you free stuff. You, you kind of picture that's part of the game, but it's really not. Usually the stuff they come and hand you for free. It's like here's some catalogs. <laughs> Here's some keychains, but cable reps were always pretty on the spot with bringing cables. So over the years, I've just had piles and piles and piles of cables that I got for free and I would use them. And over time, I just kind of picked the ones I liked. Um, but I love these Neutrik uh, noiseless hints. I, I think that's what you're asking me. I hope it is. Um, if you want to know over Switchcraft, super expensive, uh, you know, I can't speak to that. I can tell you this without, uh, without any hesitation in my voice. Uh, that if I, all my cables are gone tomorrow, I would definitely be buying, um, a Neutrik noiseless, uh, cable, some brand, right? Probably clots just because loyalty to those guys, they were cool enough to send some out. Stefan is the guy I deal with. He's like this, he's this, he's this really cool, nice guy. Um, so, and as you guys know, I try to, I try to value the relationships I have with uh, companies, you know, or people in this industry, you know? Um, so, Okay. Uh, hold on. I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm not old. I'm vintage says the price of cables is the only reason I only own two. They are expensive. I mean, it's tough. It's a tough, I get it. It's tough. It's expensive. I'm with you. Um, and I don't think you have to buy expensive cables to have good cables. So, you know, I just like those cable ends, those Neutrik, uh, no, uh, silent ends. Other than that, like I said, I think you can buy a cable probably for about $15 that will do the trick. It sounds amazing. Ray, what is the most 
consistently innovative company. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I never thought about that. That's a crazy question because I don't know. This whole industry is like not that. <laughs> um, when I think of consistently and being innovative, I really think of companies a long time ago being that way, but they're not really that way now. Um, you know, I guess when I think of companies that are consistently innovative, I actually think of accessory type companies like Music Nomad or Daddario or Ernie Ball, right? I think of those kind of companies. Uh, those companies seem to be constantly coming out with better and better, better products. Um, it, when it comes to like, when I think about amplifiers, well, amplifiers by, you know, aren't really trying to be innovative. It's not really an innovative an industry for amplifiers. Um, same with technology industries, you know, pedals and stuff. So I think for, I think for, that's what I think. Those two companies are three companies come to my mind when I think of that stuff. If you're asking me what's an innovative guitar company in today's day and age, I don't know. I just don't know. Because like I said, even if I can highlight innovation, like I think the Strandberg is innovative, but it's a design and it's like that's what was executed. And then maybe they improved the bridge and a couple other components, right? And made it, but there's no like constant, like, like monthly thing. It's not like a tech industry. It's not like constant innovation um, to the point where you really don't want that in our industry. Once you make something really good, you really want to ride that for a little while. Not because of the money thing, not because of greed, not because of companies, just because of the fact that just what players want. Players want proven to, proven stuff, right? I think it's no different than the tool industry. <laughs> you know, anyone work with their hands for a living? I work with my hands and work with tools. And sometimes I see a new tool and it actually freaks me out more than it impresses me because I know what works. And just sometimes, like I find like the only time, <laughs> this is why I can totally relate to some of the guitar players, that the professional guitar players that look at hobbyists. This is where I relate with hobbyists versus pros. And I'm not saying I'm pro, but I'm just saying hobbyists. When I look at tools, I don't have a hobbyist perspective. I look at tools and I go, wow, it's really cool, but I'm not trying that, <laughs> right? Where I think if you didn't have to do it for a living, I think as a hobbyist and new tools that are exciting, you're like, yeah, I'll give that a try. But like I said, most tools freak when they're, when they're redesigned or more efficient or cooler. A lot of times they freak me out at first because again, I know it works and, and, uh, and what works every day will be what I grab. Yeah, uh, Evan says Godin is uh, Godin, Godin is pretty innovative. Uh, yeah, of course. Like I said, there's a couple companies. I'm sure, like I said, just because I didn't mention any doesn't mean, like, I don't think anybody's innovative. Uh, Pedaly says, look at the reaction to Ernie Ball uh, Kaizen. I, I, I obviously took the Kaizen apart and went through it. It's a very cool guitar. I would say... It, it was a very elaborate guitar. If you watch that video, that video did not, in my opinion, get nearly as many views as I thought it was going to get. And it's probably going to be the only video like that unless somebody buys a Kaizen and takes it apart. Because that one I took apart was like, I think it's Tosin's prototype. <laughs> I think I told you guys this story, right? They, they, let, they didn't let me. They told me, they being the Sweetwater people, um, let me and the other YouTubers like go wild and which I appreciate immensely. And, uh, I went late at night when Sweetwater was closed and I went through guitars with my cameras and stuff. And that, that, um, <laughs> that music band was one of them. The next day the music band guys were like, that's, that's not a real guitar or that's a real guitar, but they're like, that's the prototype. 
they're like we didn't you know kind of didn't want that hat to they didn't say like don't do it they're just saying like oh we didn't think you were going to do that <laughs> Phil Brian says Phil Phil spending the night at Sweetwater is taking gear apart is real dedication. You know what's funnier than that story is two things. Uh, I wasn't the only one that came with that idea. Dovey Doss like uh, went in the middle of the night Sweetwater and used their gym. <laughs> I remember they like they were like he went there at like midnight and started working out because they have a gym. I thought that was a that was funny. Um, Oh, uh, Pedaly says, uh, Pedaly's a, a, a dealer in Arizona who does a lot of pedal stuff. He's a big uh, dealer for uh, uh, LPD pedals. So if you guys know, if you haven't, they'd be in the Arizona Avenue area. Uh, he says, what is your favorite electroharmonics pedal? Without a doubt. And so many pedals from electroharmonics that can I say that I love. Okay. But the key nine, the B9, the C9. Oh, that's, those are next level pedals to me. Uh, without a doubt, um, I would never, in my use, my world, my needs, I would never think about buying like the Roland synth technology stuff. There's no like stick a pickup on my guitar ever again for me now that I've tried those. Um, but of, of course, I love the Soul Food. I love the Big Muff. I love the uh, the small Big Muff because <laughs> I have the small one. Um, what else do I like? I like, uh, I mean, there's a ton of their pedals that I just absolutely love. Um, the Hall, is it Hall? Hall reverb. Why am I saying Hall? Holy Grail. The Holy Grail reverb. Uh, again, love it. Don't like splurb or whatever sound that is, but I like the other two sounds. Uh, yeah. Electroharmonics makes great pedals. And uh, for the most part, they make some of the best affordable pedals. And affordable is a tough word now. Obtainable. I like the word obtainable. When I say affordable, it seems to trigger people. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? $78 or $170, whatever price I'm saying. They're like, that's not affordable. I'm like, uh, so I've realized that there, you're absolutely right. And the word I think we should use more often is obtainable because some things are just more obtainable than others, obviously. Think about this. If something's a dollar less, that doesn't mean it's affordable, but it's $1 less. So it's $1 more obtainable. You have to come up with less dollars to get it. I think that's a good logic. You can fault me on it if you want. I'm sure some of you will. Uh, Tampa Blue says, which do you prefer? Modern wiring with a treble bleed or 50s wiring? Um... I both, and here's why, and I get to get say both because of this reason. I, all my guitars are wired up different ways because of the fact that that reason. There's certain things I like um, to do. Now, if I was going to pick only one and you're going to hold me to it, I would go with the modern wiring. I don't have any like, oh, man, they really figured it out the first time right. No, I'm like, I don't find, uh, first of all, like a treble bleed, uh, there's reasons why you wouldn't want it. That's for sure. Because the way it reacts when you back it off. But you understand the treble bleed only is something if you're backing off the volume. Like for instance, you know, if you don't use it, it's not a problem. Um, most of my guitars have a treble bleed. Some of my ones don't. And uh, it usually has to do with not the type of guitar and the music I'm playing. It has to do with the type of pickups, the sound of the guitar and what I'm trying to do. Because some guitars really don't need a treble bleed. They, they just don't. It's just the overall sound is fine it does a lot of things so i i like to think a lot of tech stuff technology electronic stuff and guitars is a corrective kind of thing for me like i get a guitar and it's not like i have to stick this stuff in there or it has to have these things it's like if i notice these issues with the guitar i make those adjustments so so like if i got a guitar and had a 50 style wiring and it sounded fine i would not think to like i have to change it but maybe if i thought it got a little dark when i was backing off the volume knob i'd be like okay let's do a treble bleed and the other way too. 
Spencer says, Phil, I love the show. Thank you, Spencer. That's really nice of you to say, because <laughs> I kind of needed it this week. I'm looking at getting a Floyd guitar uh, and under $1,500. Any recommendations? Have you tried the uh, FU Tone guitars? I have not tried the FU Tone guitars. I've seen them. They're Charvel-esque style guitars. I don't know much about them other than they look like Charvels. And I have a lot of respect for FU Tone. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies that, uh, that uh, I think you know, make good products or supply good products and have a good, a good business model. And FU Tone is one of those companies. So uh, not trying these guitars. I don't know what the, ref uh, you know, how good they are. I know uh, price wise, they're reasonable for what they are. They seem like, I don't remember like what I didn't remember thinking. I remember not thinking they were steel and I remember not thinking they were uh, exorbitantly priced. Um, but you know, here's the, here's the tough part, Spencer. This is the good news. I have good news and bad news for you. The bad news is I don't have a great recommendation for you for a guitar under $1,500. The good news is because there's so many guitars. I would have, If I picked 10, I'd be depriving you of the 20 other good choices. So um, what I will tell you is, is uh, when a Floyd Rose guitar is, um, is what? <laughs> is, uh, I'm trying to think, because I know, I think the, I think the Charvels are great with Floyd Rose's. I think uh, they're sub $1,500. I think uh, LTD makes a great guitar, sub $1,500 with a Floyd Rose. I would totally uh, rock that. You're saying Floyd Rose, but I'm saying Floyd Rose style. Some of the Ibanez guitars, sub $1,500. I mean, an RG550 made in Japan. It's got a fantastic Floyd Rose style bridge, and uh, and it's a great guitar. Um, if you want the 80s thing, if you want a newer metal thing, then maybe go with like a Schecter. See, see how hard this gets? It's like I can just start naming guitars like crazy that are sub $1,500. And that's new. We haven't even talked about used. A lot of opportunities to get a really good Floyd Rose style guitar. So I can tell you like this, one of my favorite <laughs> Floyd Rose guitars is my striped Eddie Van Halen. And I know like a lot of people, I have an emotional connection to Eddie for all the reasons, but this guitar, um, I, I don't know if I told the story. I didn't buy this cause I was like, Oh, I love Eddie so much. I have to buy this. Um, this was a guitar that I picked up in my own store one day and I was playing it and I just couldn't stop playing it. And I've said this before. It's been a long time, maybe many years since I've said this, but my, one of my biggest complaints about the guitar is it sounds so good that it actually sounds like I prefer it over most of my guitars, the way it sounds. It sounds so full and rich and the Floyd is freaking awesome. And it's just an EVH Floyd. It's not even like an expensive one. Just a really good guitar, but I'm not, but by the way, that's not a full endorsement of like any one of those you see are going to be great. I'm just saying that one is fantastic. So, okay. Yeah. R R D E E <laughs> R Rudy, Rudy, Rudy says, you can get a Schecter with a Staniac and Floyd for under $1,500. Exactly. Exactly. Like I said, I mean, just go to like Sweetwater, American Music Supply, your local dealers, you know, whoever you want to support. And uh, man, just take a look. You'll see there's tons of guitars. See somebody saying solar, solar guitars with Floyd? Absolutely. Uh, right? There's so much stuff. That's why I said, I kind of feel like if I gave you suggestions, that would be like cool because it would kind of demist, you know, take finite you down your list. But I also like, I'd also feel guilty because not knowing more about you and what your likes are, what I would tell you is, is that your budget, man, you're a baller. 
That's what's great. You have a baller budget. $1,500, there's no reason you can't have exactly what you want. The color you want, the design you want, having a Floyd. There's, you have a budget. If you told me five, it would be a little like, oh, okay, there's a couple, here's a couple looks, but 15, you have it, man. You have it. Um, Uh, Richard Richard says, hey, Phil, I ordered the, the Friedman PT20 head. Should I stick with their 212 cab with uh, cream backs, or is there something else you recommend? I love that cab, man. I love it. It's on my, uh, it's on my uh, I want one list, 212 Friedman to go with my Friedmans. I don't have the room, <laughs> and I can't give up one of my 212s. So I have, two, 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 I have the, two, 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 the two 212s I use the most often. I just can't figure out which one I'd get rid of, and I... Really want the Friedman 212. So vicariously, I'm going to live through you by telling you to do it. <laughs> you need to do it. You need to get that cabinet. It sounds good. So, you know, it sounds fantastic. It's built really well. It's a good cabinet. It looks good. And it pairs with that amp really, really well. Okay. Yeah, Brandon's saying you can't go wrong with any creambacks or greenbacks. Greenbacks or creambacks, we can say that anyway. I agree. Like I said, my favorite speakers are definitely creamback, greenback, and vintage 30. And not in that order, but those are my three. Like, uh, I feel like because uh, the YouTube channel and just having a variety of things, I have all these other speakers. You know, I'll have, you know, I'll have the Jensen's and I have Eminence and I have all these other speakers. But if it was just me, it was just about me, I would have just creambacks, greenbacks, and vintage 30s in, in my cabinets. And I just change them out based on my mood, not basically on anything else. And I always, on my 212, I mix them. I have a creamback and a greenback in my 212. And then my other 212 is uh, vintage 30s. Uh, Spencer says, nope, I, we already did Spencer. Buzz, what does Buzz want to say? Buzz says, I'm getting... Uh, I'm getting a consensus on how to level and comp and compound. Wait, how to level a compound radius? Any tips greatly appreciated? What length bar would be best? Um, you can use the 16-inch bar for leveling uh, fretboards. That's essentially what the factories are using. That's essentially what most people are going to use. Um, but you don't have to. I mean, it's up to you. The, the reason I, I come at you this way is if you're new, whatever I suggest will probably be the right thing because you won't know any different. What happens is, is really everybody learns to kind of do it the way they like to do it. Um, me, I will use the six inch file or the or a short bar uh, most of the time. It's just how I do it. And uh, I found no, uh, no issues with that. But for, you know, for you, a, the 16 inch bar is probably what everybody else uses. So why not just use that? So there you go. Um, there's no specific, uh, for radius, there's no no reason why I'm going to use a shorter bar or a shorter file. I just, like I said, I like, to, I like the way that feels. I like the control of it. And a lot of that, again, has to do exactly, um, why, exactly why I'm telling you the same thing. A lot of things I do are because I, that's the way I did it. I did it for so many years, and it's just a comfort zone thing for me. Um, and you, that's how you get good at something. You just keep doing it. And then later you find out you're doing it a little bit wrong and it won't matter. <laughs> it 
that's what's hilarious about that. This is what I've learned. I I told you guys one of the things that's funny about not interviewing guitar players, but ending uh, in, uh, reviewing or inter reviewing interviewing luthiers and repair guys is nobody seems to be consistent in anything they say or do. It's to the point where like I laugh. I think I think if you were to get, I think the number's twenty. <laughs> we got twenty luthiers and repair people in the industry that are well respected in one room and had them ask uh, have a question a QA thing when we went through all the questions the internet's mind would just explode with the fact that 20 20 luthier slash repair uh, techs uh, would give you at least 12 to 15 different answers per question for the most part <laughs> for the most part not every question but a lot of them grumpy mike guitar what's up grumpy mike Thanks for all the great content this content this week, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for making your great content. I watched your uh, pedal board video. Um, I I don't know why. I like you and I like your channel and I'm watching your videos, but I'm like obviously I'm not like oh I can't wait to learn about a pedal board. But I, I you drew me in. I wanted to watch. I listened. Um, I think I was waiting somewhere in the car and I was like oh I'm in the in the truck and I'm like I'm gonna watch this video about him and his pedal board and it was very nice uh, I would I would highly recommend it what I like about videos like that is sometimes I I think if you're newer if you're new to guitar this is and maybe maybe that's something I would do if you guys tell me if that'd be interesting I don't know if I'd do a video but we could do it on this live show I'll create a list maybe create a list of 20 small channels or 10 small channels that I think uh, have not so much the, a great message, just I like it for, for the reason I like it. Not that I like their personality so much, but I like the information. Here's why. I think sometimes coming to a channel that has a lot of experience, like my channel, and having a lot of information and being succinct is nice, but also seeing somebody, uh, like literally he his his issue is basically like, that. do you want to spend more than $100 on a pedal board? And and I think that, you know, it was a very personable thing. It's like, it's something he discussed. It was something he put a lot of thought into because he's dealing with it. And I think a lot of you could relate to that because um, it's been a while since I could relate to that. But I, when I was watching it, um, Grumpy, I was definitely remembering, like, I remember first time I spent $110 on a pedal board thinking, oh my God, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, and then what happens is, like I said, as you do this longer and longer, sometimes the prices seem to not phase you as much because again it's not so much what something costs it's what you have to get rid of to get it so you're like well if i sell these two pedals on my old pedal board it's 38 dollars more and i get this so that's why sometimes the beginning of your journey is a little different than the middle and the end uh arf corpse arf core i'm gonna say arf core arf core says hi phil greetings from portland oregon uh which if any guitar brand do you think will supersede either fender or gibson in 30 years i don't think it's ever going to happen I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, to me, to me, saying a company will be bigger than Fender or bigger than Gibson is like saying there'll be a band bigger than the Beatles. It's just not going to happen. There's not going to be anybody that does that because the environments in which created those things probably won't be replicated. And if they are, it's going to be scary as hell, <laughs> right? Okay, and. Uh, and if there is a company that, that becomes bigger than Fender or bigger than Gibson, it's literally, in my opinion, going to be because Gibson collapses or Fender collapses or something happens, right? They get they go down a few pegs. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, it takes a lot to be at that level. No one's at it. No one's close to it. I mean, not really. Not, not in that level. Um, 
uh, it's evident in everything you see, everywhere you go. It's just they're a really dominant force. And there's a few brands that, of course, do lots of volume, but no, I think they're in their own little, their own little world. So, um, and I, I think of this, I can't even think of like who I think could do it. Um, I don't think anybody's poised for it. See, Super League 100 says Yamaha. See, what's funny is I could say Yamaha and I could say, now we're not talking about gross dollars because Yamaha's a big company, but think about that. Think about Super League 100. Let's, let's take this for a second. Yamaha is huge as a company financially, right? I mean, they sell jet skis for Christ's sake. So, yeah, right. They sell jet skis and bought motorcycles and tech and I think generators and all kinds of stuff. So, of course, a colossally sized company. They can't overtake the guitar market. They've not been able to do it. They may not want to. That may be the reason why they haven't done it. But either way, they haven't done it. So, and then Robin says Ibanez. Same thing. Ibanez at their height in the late 80s where they thought it was going to happen. So, you know, Ibanez. Think of this. In the late 80s, I would bet if we got the people of Gibson, Fender, and Ibanez in a room, all three agreed Ibanez was going to overtake them and become the, the, the leader. But the market changed. What happened is right in the middle of this epic boom that culminated with, you know, Kramer and Charvel and Jackson and all this stuff and BC Rich and everything goes and and then bam, Ibanez. And then it's like takes off. Then the music genre changed and literally the Ibanezes and everything became second fiddle. And then bam, we're right back to Fender Gibson. So, um, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. And you have to look at, you have to look at the companies that exist and what it would take to do those numbers, the infrastructure. I just don't think it's gonna happen. So, okay, I'm just looking. Yeah, Ivan Islany says Court would make and sell a lot, mostly rebranded other companies, of course, OEMs and stuff. And I, I'm sure if we looked at some numbers, they'd be really impressive. Um, but, uh, I just don't think it's gonna, I don't think they're in, I don't think it's the same. It's just not the same. And cause I mean, again, I'm taking that question is not only size of company brand power, like the whole, the whole thing I'm taking it all in consideration. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, can says, do you like grunge? I do like grunge. Uh, I'm a, um, I don't know what you call that. I'm a, uh, I didn't grow up grunge and I didn't grow up 80s metal, right? I grew up right in the end of tail end of one and beginning of the other. And they kind of blend to me as both being something you got to understand dudes that were like, and I say dudes, cause that's what it was. Dudes were, they were like four years older than me. were losing their minds because of grunge. They were like, this is horrible. They destroyed the 80s. Like they were so angry. And to me, uh, I can tell you exactly what happened. And again, we're going to be tit for tat now, our little kind of, because I'm going to say something and you guys are going to immediately correct me. It's not grunge, but please just hear out the last sentence. I used to, uh, I used to take all my lunch money every week and I would, I lived in Tucson, Arizona. So in case there's one person from Tucson, Arizona, uh, I would take the bus from my high school down to the park mall. And, uh, then I would get off the bus, go into park mall with all the money I saved up all week. And I would go buy a cassette because <laughs> I hadn't bought CDs. I didn't have CD money. I had cassette money. And every week I would buy a cassette. It was like every Friday. It was like a big deal. And so 
uh, I would buy, you know, everything. I, I remember I bought Tony McAlpine because I was just going down this, you know, uh, guitar thing, right? I was loving everything. I'd go, I'd go, go uh, and uh, one day, I'll never forget this, you know, I'd, I'd bought Tony, uh, Tony McAlpine was the week before, I just remember that. So Tony McAlpine, which the album was amazing, blew me away. Week before that was probably Trickster, right? Something like that. Week before that was probably a Steve I or Eric Johnson, right? Something like that. So I go and I I was looking and looking and looking. And of course, back then you'd spend, you know, two hours in the record store. And remember, no one even said anything to you. It was just like you just looked and looked. And uh, I got Y&T. And uh, I go up to the counter. I got Y&T. I'm really excited about it. And uh, I hear, you know, the stereo. They used to play music. At least they probably do. They play music in this record store. And I hear that chwow, chwow, wow, chwow, wow, wow. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I can hear it. I feel it. Like, took over. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, of course, those of you old enough to remember the old record tapes and CD stores, they would take the CD, because they had the CDs. We were, I was too broke for the CDs. <laughs> CD, and they had the CD, and they would sit it, remember, on the res, by the register and say, now playing. And it was Alice in Chains. And I remember sliding the YNT uh, uh, cassette over to the guy and go, uh, I'm going to go get this Alice in Chains album. And I went, and I got Alice in Chains. And uh, now, some of you guys right now, this is where everybody goes, but they're not grunge, they're metal. But you understand, that's when I started indoctrinating, like, okay, now I'm going to listen to Soundgarden, now I'm going to listen to that. So I just kind of accepted that all as music. And um, that's just how it is to me. So I don't really have, I'm not, in fact, I, I'm, I'm fairly proud of this. There's probably a whole lot of music I don't love, and techno is about it. And it's just because I don't like anything that's just, like, consistent. It just doesn't change, and it's over and over again. And... Uh, and I think that bar for me is still very low because there's a lot of bands you'd probably say that about. But other than techno, um, but yeah, that was to me like was a big moment for me. Like hearing that, I just remember thinking like this is crazy. And that was really it was really powerful for me. Here's why. And hopefully there's a there's two people right now watching this that can relate to what I'm about to say. I appreciate all the amazing guitar players that I was listening to. All of them. I appreciate them all, of course. I mean, you know, Nuno, freaking huge Nuno fan. Steve I, you know, Tony McAlpine, Ingve. But I didn't want to be any of that stuff. So I was like, it was kind of a weird thing for me. I accepted it was good. I accepted I liked it. I accepted all my friends said that it's what to be. But deep down, it didn't speak to me in a way that I wanted to be like that. And the first time I heard Alice in Chains, I was like, I heard Jerry Cantrell play and I thought, this doesn't sound technical to me, but it sounds good. And then that shot me down all kinds of avenues of going, okay, I never considered, now I don't mean bands, okay? Bands, I listened to all kinds of bands, but I'm talking about guitar players. Like all of a sudden, if, if a guitar player wasn't playing arpeggios as fast as they could, I just, I just thought, oh, they're not very good, <laughs> right? It never occurred to me. It never occurred to me that, you know, He's just playing a pentatonic, right? So you're like, you know, like the only guitar players that are good are the ones that can outplay everybody, you know? And to the point where like almost like a, a really morbid uh, Crossroads movie with Ralph Macchio, like I just, all I could think about would like, I'd hear a guitar player and go, yeah, but he can't beat no Steve I or he can't beat no Eddie Van Halen. Like that's all I thought about was quality was equated to tech, how technically good they could play that somebody else can play. Somebody said Jason Becker, same thing, Jason Becker, uh, Paul Gilbert. And then, like I said, so grunge for me was actually, as I'm not a huge grunge fan, 
I, I like grunge, but like I said, it, it wasn't, it was a little liberating for me because it was my first reality into, and then from that, so, you know, after grunge, which didn't last very long for me, I immediately got into everything else, like country music. I was like into everything rock. All of a sudden I was like, Bruce Springsteen's, Bruce Springsteen's amazing. Like, cause all of a sudden I was like, that's a great guitar riff. All of a sudden a great guitar riff just became like, yeah, why isn't this, why don't I appreciate a great guitar riff as much as a technically great guitar riff? And it was life-changing for me, and it wasn't so much anything other than when you hear the chwomp, chwomp sound sound, uh, it obviously wasn't like blisteringly hard to play, but it, it spoke to me the same way. <laughs> right now, I hope two of you guys are happy I said that in 20 years, probably. Unsubbed. Right, and I'll see you guys next week when you sub back. Because I always liked watching the people get mad and unsub and then come back a week or two later. So, <laughs> I don't I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> if that makes you feel better, do it. But so you guys know, I can't see you specifically, but I get to see it. I get to see the unsubs and then I get to see about that same number comes back. And it always kind of makes me chuckle. Um, uh Yes. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Trick or treat Arizona says I bought the crossroad soundtrack for the guitar fight. Uh, the, yeah, the, the cutting heads and Steve Vai's parts weren't in it. Yeah. In fact, uh, didn't he, didn't, didn't he, re he released that later. What was the name of that album? Somebody will probably tell me in the comments, but yeah, I remember Steve, I had to release that stuff cause they didn't put it in there. But that has a sordid story to that whole thing and how Steve I came in kind of in the last minute and they had to do all that stuff. So, so there you go. All right. Uh, Randy, Randy says, Hey Phil, I love your content. I'm not a tinker on guitar. So I watch for info on guitars. If something is not up to what I want it to, wait, if something is not up to what I want, it goes out for something new to come in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I see what you're coming, coming about. You're like, I'm, if I don't like it, I'm not going to fix it up. There's nothing wrong with that either. You know, the, the reality of that is as simple as this. Like I said, I, I think I like, I like having a discussion that is more based in a frank conversation. In other words, it's not so much in it like this opinion matters more than another opinion other than I just want to know what your real opinion is. And so when I talk, that's what it's about. I want you to know what my real kind of thoughts are, not that my thoughts are somehow valuable. Um, so that being said, look, if you have the money and you get a guitar and you're like, I don't dig it, I'm going to buy something else, then you do that. But if you don't have the money, you got to learn to fix stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's what I said. Buying U.S. guitars is a luxury doesn't mean everybody should have to buy that stuff. It just means if you can, it's good for you and you get to do it. And if you can't, well, then you find a way around it. And I have, like I said, my life, it's been, it's been all those things. So there was a point where like, if I wanted something nice, I had to buy something and fix it up to be nice. And that's how it became nice. And then someday, one day I was like, I can just buy something nice. And, uh, and, uh, one day I only piece of advice I can give you that's, that will, that will help you that didn't help me was, I was slow to understand when I could buy something nice. I think that happens to a lot of people. As you, if you're not, you know, if you're not, not going to say born wealthy, but if you're not doing okay, if you're not from a more upscale middle class family, where you just kind of take off from the from this point, if you're kind of have to build your life up from like you know, basically nothing, um, by the time you can do something, it's like it doesn't even it doesn't register. <laughs> so, 
So I'm just saying, so back to to your thing is, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. if you get something, you don't like it, it goes and comes something in. It's absolutely, you don't have to want to tinker on stuff. Um, so, and again, I appreciate you saying that. That's what I think is cool about a live show like this is it's like, I'm hearing your thoughts. I'm, I'm just relaying, I'm just relaying to you guys what Randy thinks. And I'm giving you my impression of what Randy thinks, which is he doesn't want to fix stuff. He wants to replace it. Nothing wrong with that. Randy's got the, he's got the juice to do it. And if you do good, do it. And if you don't, well, then you got to learn to fix it <laughs> or mod it or correct it. Uh, Mark says, thanks for Friday, Phil. Have you made it? Oh, you have made it much better. You have made it much better, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate that. Dream Mago 53. God, you guys are your names. Is there any difference? <laughs> I know he's just, sometimes the show is just me butchering names. Is there any difference in quality of wood between US made and imported guitars? And does it make significant difference in tone? Where do made in Japan guitars stand in for this aspect? Okay. I know I kind of skimmed across that. Let me get to the core of this. So this is a good question. It's like, when you're buying a guitar and it's made in the USA and it says it's a type of wood and you're buying a guitar overseas and it's that type of wood, is that the same quality wood? And in most cases, yeah, that is in most. So especially electric guitars. Let's just stay on the electric guitars. So yeah, I mean, think of this. If you get an import guitar and it's alder, if it's really alder, it probably came from the US because that's where alder comes from. If it's maple, it probably came from North America or, or, you know, or Canada. I know that's the same, but you understand what I mean by the northern part of the United States or Canada. So um of course, import guitars use all kinds of terms. They get a little tricky and they're getting better with the terms. In fact, their attempt to be more honest with us is actually creating a problem. And uh, I think Ibanez is my favorite example of this. You know, Ibanez, like a lot of companies would just say, this is ma mahogany. And then slowly over time, they're like, it's Pele because that's really what it is. And it's technically it's like a mahogany in the family. And then some wood expert right now is going to say no, but you understand what I'm saying. It's close enough, right? It's like, it's close enough to beef, <laughs> right? It's like Taco Bell tacos. It's kind of meat, right? So uh, that's my joke, Taco Bell. Please don't get upset. Um, so the point of that is, is that uh, uh, some of the woods now, some of the companies are trying to be more transparent about what actual woods they're using in their guitars instead of just using like the family tree of woods. You know, this is mahogany, this is alder, this is maple. Um, I used to, I used to actually, the big one used to drive me crazy was maple because a lot of Asian uh, import guitars, low price guitars would say maple, but they were essentially some kind of weird butcher block. And, and I forgot what, I remember what, cause we would deal with it. And I mean, I remember it was a pain in the ass when you're sanding on it, working on it. And, and, uh, I'm not a wood expert by any means, but I could tell you this, when you sand enough things, you kind of know, like this doesn't feel like <laughs> it's supposed to feel. And I remember we'd sand on it and go in, this doesn't feel right. And, um, and, uh, so to answer your question, yeah, some imports will have different types of that wood. And sometimes uh, people will find that inferior. My issue for me is I'm not a huge, I don't hugely buy into that. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think wood matters to the, to the construction of the guitar. Obviously basswood is soft and, uh, mahogany is hard and, and alder is harder when it comes to your body and on the guitar. And, you know, maple neck versus a mahogany neck. There's all things I, I think that matters. I'm not even talking about tones. We're not talking about tone woods because that's not the that's not the core of what we're talking about. What we're talking about is just the quality of, you know, how durable it is, what it does. And um, so I do focus on that, but you got to understand then there's this, like, that's to me is dramatic. Basswood to mahogany. That to me is a dramatic change in the quality, the cost, the way it's, you know, the way it's going to dent, the way it's not going to dent. 
And then when we start talking about mahogany to like Sapele, some people freak out, but I could really care less. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, it's like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? It's uh, to me, that's like, okay, it's, it's doing the job fine enough for me. Um, the only time I would probably have an opinion is, is when sometimes stuff's really expensive and you're seeing things that you would see in inexpensive items and you're thinking, okay, that doesn't seem very fair. So, uh, okay. I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, okay. Hold on a second. Uh, a 10. A 10 says, hey, Phil, did you see Jim Lil's where his amps tone from uh, video? It's pretty awesome. Uh, wish there was a schematic for his toolbox amp at the end. So I think I knew what you're talking about. I saw the, uh, I think it was shared on the patron groups, or the, on Patreon. Somebody shared it. Uh, he's the guy who did the guitar where he like made a guitar between two benches, and now he did an amp, and he's like, hey, where tones come from? Um I didn't watch that. Uh, I'm really glad you guys watched that. <laughs> um, I will probably eventually watch it. It's one of those things like I'll get to it, you know, uh, when I'm not, you know, when I when I have some more time. Um, but I, I like the premise of those kind of videos. You understand, I love this idea. I love the conversation because I feel like, I feel like the conversation's been so jacked up for so long. And what I mean by that is like, I love the stories, as you guys know. I've engaged in them. I've interviewed people who do, discuss them. But there's there's practical, and then there's the magic, and I like both. I like talking about both. Who doesn't want to talk about both? Who doesn't want to talk about love and science, romance and science, <laughs> right? So to me, there's a little bit of both, because I think as much as I think of this as a engineering thing, you know, a guitar is essentially an engineered product and so therefore it, it's got certain rules that you you know you can mystical magic doesn't apply here but also it's a piece of art and mystical magic applies here so i love that uh we live in a world where content comes out like that so i think it's cool um you get a little demystification of stuff and then of course that doesn't seem to change my mind about how you feel about things but it doesn't um it doesn't also disparage me from that i think it's more of a realistic thing which I don't know if that's good that I have that attitude because it seems to get me in a lot of crap constantly that I have these like, oh, this is really not real, but I still love it. And then I go, well, you know, I love it. So there's no real harm, no foul. And then, of course, I have somebody tell me they can't believe I said that. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, Octopus Ear says coffee shop gig rig. Delos, Maxon 808, Amp and Omni. Uh yeah, I'm for that. Well, I like the Delos. I have the Delos. The Delos is slowly becoming my number one. Have you noticed that? It just keeps creeping in more and more videos. And it's not... The Delos guitar from the keys that I have, it's it's funny. It's it's one of those guitars that sneaks in on me. Is like, it's not the best guitar I own. I would never say it sounds the best. I would never say it feels the best. In fact, there's nothing amazing about it in any way. I just feel feel like i remember earlier when i was talking about tools i feel like i just trust it i know what it's going to do i know how it's going to sound i know it's going to stay in tune i need to make a video there it is i'm grabbing it so yeah i would say that i like the dillos for that uh derek says what's a good strategy for rounding out an amp collection <laughs> don't do it no i'm kidding uh, i have a two rock that i love 
that's a good amp. I don't know what two rock you have though, because they're all kind of different. I have a Marshall DSL. Okay, so you got the Marshall tone, you got the kind of boutique Dumble-esque Fender tone. You got a Fender Blues Deluxe, of course. There's the Fender sound. What amp should I consider next for different tones? What am I not experiencing? Ah, I'd say a, a, a Vox style amp. That would be it. You know, um, I get that. You know, what's funny is is that I feel like that's a thing we all kind of get down that rabbit hole of like, I got to have all the tones. And I actually, I feel bad. I never want to tell you like, don't do it. Cause I really got to go. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I experimented with all the things I am. I feel like I'm really rooted into what I really like. What I would tell anyone is if you can economically responsibly, in other words, whether or not you just have the money and who cares, or you can do it without breaking the bank or, or you know, killing yourself financially, uh, experience as much as you can. What I found is there's no point where I go, I really wish I didn't try everything because now I know this dark secret. If anything, I go, I really know what I like. And I really realize now when people talk, I know it's like, oh, yeah, really? I mean, that's great, but it's not the, you know, it's not everything. It's just really good. So Sean says he's tone, Tonewood Curious. Nice. I just wanted to read that. Icenic Wolf uh, says the SLO. Yeah, you, you don't have a high gain amp. You could do that. Although, uh, if you, again, uh, I, I agree with Icenic Wolf. The one thing I will tell you is uh, if you're not a high gain player, uh, I would always just consider a really good or a really good high gain pedal and just put it in one of those amps like that Fender and you'll get that covered a little bit as well too. But if you are a high gain player, which I don't think you are, because your other three amps really aren't high gain, so I'm thinking if you were a high gain player, you would have grabbed on it by now. But you never know. Grumpy Mike Guitar again. He says, "Hey, for uh, get well soon for the for the lovely Mrs. McKnight. I'm sending my psychic healing energy her way. Hey, that's good. I like I like that. I love it when people say you got to send good vibes. She seems to be doing okay. She's on the mend. They um no no big issues. Um." I like to point out that's not why my week sucked. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't great, cause we, but we knew she's. it was a scheduled and it was fine and everything went well and she's fine. But yeah. Uh, okay, I just want to clear that up just because I don't want you to think that anything happened, particularly with her, that made me have a bad week. Uh, Rafi says, I have a bad week the same reason I always have a bad week. Uh, it's part of the downfall of this. You'd think, uh, I've always said this, you'd think trolls are my problem. <laughs> When it comes to the YouTube gig, you think it's people saying weird stuff or mean stuff. Uh, never seems to really get that crazy. I mean, once in a while, it's always companies. They're always a nightmare to some degree. Um, and uh, to where you have to sit and rethink your, you know, your business model. Rafi says, not a gear question, but as a former teacher, what do you recommend for building a practice plan so my solos don't suck? Oh, well, you know, I'm not a good solo person, so that's a hard question for me to ask because uh, I would say I would ask I would say the same thing to somebody like, "Hey, how would I improve my solos?" But um, and like I said, I think it's because if it wasn't for YouTube videos, I don't really have a need for solos. It's, I always play rhythm when I play guitar. I'm a rhythm player for sure. I'm comfortable in that role, um, and I like it. Um, what I will tell you though for solo is. And that I can tell you what I've learned watching and interviewing and again, talking to all these great guitar players that do solo really well. They have certain traits in common that are really interesting. And 
what it is, is they all have a very compulsively crazy desire to perfect something like a lick. And I, you know, what's funny is that you could say that about all musicians that, you know, they want to perfect their, their craft, but no, I think chords, music, songs, you practice to be like good, but so, people who practice on solos practice to be great at it. It's like a, that's like a, a, a definitely a trend I see. So why does that help you and your question? What I would re- recommend is uh, exactly that. You gotta, you gotta realize you gotta wake up tomorrow and now you're gonna really go for it if you wanna be good at solos, which is why I'm not great at solos because it's a, I'm great at like faking a solo. Uh, and what I mean by that, and this is really important, I learned this from a really, really smart musician that I loved. Um, he once said to me, so the way I'm saying it to you, he said, once said to me, I'm not very good at, you know, soloing. And I said, I don't know, man, you're pretty good. And he goes, that's because you've only heard two of my solos. On the third one, you're going to go, that's all you got. <laughs> And I will tell you this, that's my bag of tricks, man. It's a very small bag of tricks. I've learned to to milk it as much as I can to make it feel and seem more than it is. That's a skill in itself, but not something I would actually say, hey, if you really want to learn solos, do that skill. That's um, what I'm telling you is that if you think I'm actually any good at soloing, it's just I've tricked you, which is a good trait in a musician, right? It's just like an artist. I've made you feel like you got something good out of it because... I learned to do good enough. So I'm the good enough solo guy. And uh, there you go. Uh, hold on a second. Did it just jump? My screen jumped out of whack. Okay. Brandon says, Phil, what is the largest animal you think you could knock out with a single punch? I wouldn't hit an animal. Isn't that funny? I don't know why. I mean, funny that not funny when I put, but the funny thing is, I wouldn't wouldn't even occur to me. Um, he says I'm not endorsing animal punching. That's good. I don't think we should go there. I said I just wanted to ask a dumb question, and I, I read it. Trust me, I, it's like I don't have a problem with your question. I get where we're going with it. I'm not like oh my goodness. I'll tell you what I would punch. I, I think the I would punch the horse meat pedal in its stupid horse meat face. <laughs> There, I feel good. I got that off my chest. Okay, so um, uh, yeah. So that question is, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. Uh, John Wilson just did a super chat to say thank you for the channel. I appreciate that. At ten says, have you played the Aerodyne Strat? The old ones. There's new ones now, right? I played the old ones that always came in either black, blue, or red. I think, and uh, saw one and Gunmetal. Oh, Gunmetal Blue. Yeah, that maybe that's what I was thinking. Demarjo Locks. So you are talking about the one I played. Yep, then that's the one I played. They have new ones now. I think I'm a little too obsessed. Uh, is it any different than a normal Strat? Yeah, it's got the car- carved top body. Uh, I liked it. I always liked it. I think the a lot the ones I all played were made in Japan, but I think they had made in Korea ones now. I don't know where the new ones are. So sure, I like it. If you're asking me if you should get one, it's yes, you should get one. That's the rule on the channel. Kevin, what's up, Kevin? He says, for the tube fund, there's a tube fund? For the tube fund. and one, Oh, because he, he sent me tubes. And remember, he saved me from, uh, uh, Kevin's the, uh, is who sent me tubes when my Friedman amp took a poop and I got had to put tubes in it. Uh, I know I'm a little partial to this subject, but when do you get to hear the Dirty Shirley since I accidentally, oh, when do we get uh, to hear the Dirty Shirley since I accidentally helped you upgrade it? Um, you know, the sad thing is, I don't know if what 
its improvement would come through in a YouTube video. Because I told you guys, it's very clear now and it's a little louder, but I don't know if that would actually translate to anything. It would be like the equivalent of me just saying, hey, look, if I move the, tre the treble control up a little bit and said, look, it's a little brighter, a little clearer. But, um, but I can tell you this, Kevin, I do have a really cool amp uh, video coming soon that I'm very excited about. Um, I'm going to say I like this amp. This amp that is coming up, I, I like as much as my 65 Deluxe Reverb and my Dirty Shirley combined. I haven't said better yet because, you know, I got to watch that when you're in the honeymoon mode and it's only been a couple weeks, but man, I like it as much. Uh, Greg says, I finally just had, wait, he finally just had the exact, no. <laughs> okay, wait. Friday chat drinks to actually redrill and strap button. I, I got to read this and figure out what we're saying. He goes, okay. He, I think he's saying he redrilled the strap button on his Meteora, which is his fender, to try to fix it. And it's got a specially bad neck dive. And it worked. Oh, cool, for the tip jar. Okay, so he basically, uh, he modded the guitar. He modded the, that thing. That guitar looks like it would have a lot of neck dive. It's a really strange shape instrument. Uh, and uh, Rostla, Rost, Rostislav? Rostislav, I am jacking up your name, buddy. I appreciate your supporting the channel, and I'm sorry I'm jacking up your name. Litve, what's up, Litve? He says, new guitar day. P.S. I figured you were getting that. He uh, mentioned in the patron thing that he was getting the P90. One P90, P.R.S.S.E. No tone pot. What stack pot for volume and tone would you use? 25, uh, 25K, K, 250, sorry, 250K or 500K. I would go 250K. That's the way I would do that. You're fine. Either way, the, the, the P90s have a lot of mids and not so much highs, so you'd be okay with 500K, but that's not what I would pick. I would pick 250K. Any good knobs that work with stack pots? Jazz bass. Uh, no, I mean, you can go with the Alpha Pots. You can go with CTS. Um, they're all fine. It's You know, they're fine. Just get the stack one you need. What he needs, so you guys know, is he needs a stacked pot. It's two potentiometers stacked on each other with a dual shaft so he can put two knobs on it so he'll have a tone control and a volume control. Because what I read uh, Litve was talking about on the when he was typing, he was saying that if he adds a tone control, he won't like where it's at because of the position they put the volume knob on that guitar, even though there's a lot of space behind the guitar to drill a hole and put another knob, it would be not in the position he wants. So he wants to stack them. That's fine. The other thing you can think about Litve too is you don't have to just have a potentiometer for your tone control. You can just use a three-way switch. That is another thing you can do. You can add a switch to be the tone control. Think about this. Gretsch is very famous for it because, like for instance, I have a Gretsch right here. This Gretsch has a uh, three-way switch for. This is the three-way switch right here for selecting the pickups. So obviously it's the bridge, middle, and the neck. But then this three-way switch right here, this is the tone switch. So in the middle, it's off. It'd be like turning your tone control full forward. Down, you're gonna be halfway, and up is gonna be full. It could be backwards, what I'm saying, because I'm not listening to it right now, but you get the idea. Three-way switch is basically tone control off, half, full, right? So you can do that with a switch. And of course, you can use a mini three-way switch and you can put a switch in there too. So uh, you can definitely do that. Um, so something to suggest as well. You have that option. It's nice to have options. Um, hold on a second. Okay, Mike says, KYG, that's uh, this place, Valiant Bass, blend knob cuts off sound 
in full clockwise position works if I back off slightly. Try cleaning the pot with the oxide suggestions. Yeah, do me a favor. Um, loosen the nut on that. If not, we'll get y'all taken care of. He's talking about the uh, Valiant Limited Edition when they did the mini KYG bases and the uh, surf green. So, um, sounds like to me what's happened is maybe they tightened down the nut too tight. So it's possible. It's a possible thing, especially since, um, because uh, that compression, that's what is happening. Something kind of be shorting out or, or, or touching that shouldn't be touching. So just go ahead and loosen the nut just a little bit uh, and see if that fixes it. Believe it or not, that probably has a better fix than cleaning the pot sometimes. So give that a try. If not, you can send me a message and let me know. I'll, I will get you taken care of. Uh, HK says, thank you for your relaxed and welcoming show. Thank you for saying it's relaxed and welcoming. <laughs> so, uh, it feels good, man. That stuff, man, it's washed. I feel like today, I feel like I'm off my game today. So you guys know, I decided to do the show today. I was actually thinking about canceling. I'm on my, and uh, I all the kind stuff you guys are saying normally is like, it hits my, in my humble area and I just feel awkward. But today it just feels like, yeah, this feels good. Because, you know, it just feels good. Ste- uh, Steven says, get well, get well grapes for your love. Oh, get well grapes. For your lovely wife. Is that a thing? What's a get well grapes? I gotta Google that. <laughs> this is one of those things where everybody's like, you don't know what get well grapes are? I don't know. Fruit came up. Oh, yeah, it's a tradition. Okay, so I don't know if this is what you mean, but there's a tradition of bringing grapes. All right, well, get well grapes, or it's a saying. Either way, thank you. I will let her know. That's funny. Uh, Okay, Revolution is my name, says, and you know what, uh, let's do this. So Steven was the last Super Chat, so I'm not gonna, I'm gonna hop out of my Super Chat screen, if you guys don't mind. Oh, no, I'll do Michael, and then and then I'll hop out of the screen. So no more Super Chats. Michael says, how many guitars did you own when you lost your virginity? Uh, I think I lost my virginity before I was a guitar player. I think that's the case. So unfortunately, guitar was not the, oh, it did it for me. (laughs) Uh, I I told you guys this very clearly, uh, and I'll say it again. I I would love to tell you, like a lot of people, a lot of people, especially my age or older, like to say it's a thing. It's a common thing guys say. Like, I I want a girl, so I started taking playing guitar. I was bored, (laughs) right? Uh, That's exactly what that was. It was like, okay, um, I wasn't into sports, and... It was like, okay, you could watch TV or you could go outside. But when you, as you get older, going outside doesn't really, like, it's not like you're going to kick a ball around. Uh, so I needed something to do. And a friend took up guitar and I was like, oh, guitar, that's, that's something to do. I will do that. <laughs> and then I gave it a try and it took. And uh, so for me, guitar was that. It was like, okay, I want something to do and this is what to do. And then, um, you know. There you go. So yeah, there was no like, oh, if I play guitar, the ladies they will just love me. Uh, so that didn't ha- that didn't work in my world for that. So um, yeah, Susan says I just love music and playing guitar. Well, same thing. I had a big love for music too. So yes, yeah, I was bored, and that's why music. Because like I said, it wasn't sports. I didn't watch sports. So I was like, okay, I love music. And he, uh, like I said, a friend started playing guitar. And I was like, okay, guitar is gonna be a thing. So so there you go. Uh, I appreciate the question for some real weird reason. <laughs> uh, 
Hold on. If you're asking or, uh, me a subject or a question, put the question marks first. Jeffrey says, Phil, volume doesn't turn off all the way on either pickup when the volume knob is turned all the way off on both pickups. Love the show and the channel. That That is, so when you say two, like both pickups, uh, say when doesn't turn off all the way either pickup when the volume knob is okay so your volume knob there could be a couple issues again same thing it could be your nut is too tight on your volume knob it could be your volume knob is defective because it's not going all the way off sometimes things get bent up in there or sometimes it just wears out and it's just not disconnecting all the way off you know you need the signal to be not not touching anymore inside inside that potentiometer um or it could be that the pickup or the potentiometer got twisted that happens too and it's touching something so you want to go through make sure it's not touching anything it's not free from touching especially like i've had to do stuff where it normally would ground out if it touched these things but then instead it's completing some kind of circuit uh or like i said make sure you loosen the nut and uh, be prepared you might have to replace that volume pot what i will tell you uh let me tell you how I diagnosed that if you gave me the guitar a lot of times. Um, I really, because again, your two things is kind of your goal. First, you know, save the customer money. You know, obviously don't waste their money, but also don't waste your time and money. So first, I'm looking for the quick way to see if I can just fix the problem by moving the knob around. Uh, when I mean the knob, I mean the actual potential knob around. Move it around. I might even take the nut off and then re-kind of assemble the, the, uh, the volume pot to see if that kind of solves some of the problem. Um, if the potentiometer is the type where it has the four bent teeth over so I can bend them off and pull the pot, uh, there's actually the pot of the potentiometer off and look inside there. I might look in there and see if something's not touching or if the, and this is why I said, sometimes there's a metal film in there and sometimes there's this carbon strip in there and that's just worn out. Again, parts wear out. And even if they're new, they might just not be good. And, uh, if I can't quickly fix that, I would just pull that volume knob out and replace it with a new one. And that usually fixes it. Um, and and a lot of the decision would happen to, it would be decided on whether or not the volume pot was original to the guitar. So, for instance, if you had bought it used and somebody, I could see somebody's been in there doing stuff, um, they might have burned up the pot and that could be a problem too. So, now, the only thing I'm leaving it out is sometimes you might want to check to see if there's some other issue where there's wiring going to a tone pot or something else and maybe the signal is just not... You're, so you're turning off the signal volume pot, but there's also a signal going through. But again, I like to keep things easy, especially when we're talking on a show and I don't have, like we're not doing a instructional thing. Um, this is a good time to mention, I'll put a link that that, that uh, Tempe is doing a Phoenix, uh, ten, in the city of Tempe, Arizona, there's going to be a guitar show at Roberto Venn, November 5th, which is a Saturday. I'm going to put a link to it. And uh, so you guys know, if uh, you're looking to put up a booth, if you're a local builder, if you build pedals, if you build pickups, if you build guitars, if you build anything, um, this is a good time to buy a booth. Um, I talked to the people putting on the show. It's about a hundred bucks uh, as their early bird. I think it's going to go up to 120, so you can save 20 bucks for a booth. The booth will give you a card table, a table. I call it a card table. They call it a table. Table, two chairs, and some kind of tent to protect you from the sun. And um, you can. Um, and uh, yeah, downtown Grab Grand Avenue. Thank you, Pedaly. That's where it's at, uh, where Roberto Venn is. They're going to be giving tours of Roberto Venn. They're going to be showing you guys all the stuff that they do at Roberto Venn. I think you can sign up for a how to repair a guitar and a setup class. Um, there's uh, other things. 
<laughs> they have a whole. I'm gonna put a link uh, to this thing. I shared it on my Facebook, and uh, and it's free to the public, so you can go for free. So I mean, obviously, all it costs you a little bit of time to go check it out, see if it's cool. They're really trying to. They're doing this because obviously they want to uh, get some community going again since post COVID. Um, I will be there. I have no idea what the capacity I will be there uh, is. I don't know what my. Um, I don't know what I plan to do there yet. I don't know if I'm just going to go there and hang out. I don't know if I'm going to actually do something. They asked me if I would do a podcast from there remotely, but my concern was that uh, I would be inside the building doing this. And then if you guys went there and we wanted to hang out, then the, you know, it'd be like you went there and everybody's hanging out with me online. So I want to do something to some capacity. I'm just not sure. So we'll see. But I want to share mostly, not only for you guys know, I'm going to remind you each week that you guys can go to it. But if you have some... If you're if you're if you're new and up and coming luthier, if you're a guitar builder, if you're which is a luthier, if you're a uh, if you sell uh, you know some kind of guitar goods, if you make something that is guitar related, uh, go there and get a table for a hundred bucks. It's it's not gonna be it's gonna be hard not to get some kind of investment out of it. I will be filming there, not me personally. I'll probably have somebody filming a ton of B roll of the event, and then I will put together a a video for the second channel. And again, so it'll get some some excitement that way and of course uh just like my zach wild uh interview it goes on the second channel but i still talk about it on the first channel and it gets a lot of exposure so there you go that's that's uh my suggestion for that let's do let's do two more questions let's do two more subjects and then we'll we'll start our weekends and start playing guitars um I always say that, and then I go, I can't find one. (laughs) You know, there was a couple I saw earlier that I want to grab that I liked that I saw. Hold on. Oh, you know what? Hold on. I'm just going to keep saying, you know what, and hold on. You know what? Hold on. Oh, look at that. I'm having beeping here. Um, okay. I don't have a subject. I thought I did grab one. Um, Brian wants to know when we can expect the review on the nags. What I can tell you is, where is it at? Let me pull it up. I have, uh, I have a calendar. It tells me everything that comes out and when it comes out. The uh, it was supposed to release be released October sixth, which was yesterday. So obviously yesterday we released the Charvel video. So there's um, why did I release the Charvel and not the Nags? I don't know. Which means the Nags is going to be soon, man, because it's I have these. I have, I'm looking at a calendar right now when I release stuff, um, and I just make decisions based on my like how I feel. Like okay, let's release this type of video, not that type of video. I really needed the the Charvel video out because uh, it was something I, I did purely for the fun of it, and I wanted to kind of make sure the vibe oh, was fun. Like I said, it was a weird week this week, and I was like, you know, I don't want a video where... Uh, and the Nags is kind of the same thing. I bought the Nags. It's my personal guitar, like the Charvel. didn't really involve anybody. I just wanted to do something solely independent. Um, but so soon, soon. Um, <laughs> Susan says, because it's a blue sparkle. That's why it is a great guitar. Okay. Th- so yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, 
And then last, let's do... Hold on. What did I say? I'm going to keep saying, hold on. Wait a second. Uh, interesting. Boston guitarist says, I'm debating on getting a rectifier mini. However, I'm cautious because of the maintenance aspect. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I really like my Mesa boogies. I, they take some good abuse. I think... I think, look, we want these things to last forever, and, and, and I think they should to some degree. I mean, I don't see why an amplifier can't last, you know, a, a long, long time. But you, but some of these amps, like the, that amplifier, I, I, I can't imagine. I've had my Mesa Boogie Mini Wreck seven years, at least seven years, and it's going strong. I say that now tonight it's going to crap out. But seven years, and so, I mean, they take a good beating. I don't know if I would be overly concerned with that. Sure, it's small. Um maybe a little pain in the ass to work on but i mean for a few years like two at least you're gonna have warranty if you buy it new if you buy it used then it's a little different but you know um so i don't know like i said i i'm basically all i can tell you is i've owned a lot of mason boogies and i've had very few problems however um as you know i've seen a lot of amps that have a lot of problems and it's a lot of times there's all kinds of factors in that you know the the way it's stored that's a big deal. The way it was treated, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, people plug in the amp in the wrong thing that does stuff, stuff. But, um, but I don't know if I would overly be worried about it, uh, that way. So I think, I think, uh, I think, uh, it's an expensive amp. So I think that's a concern you have. But I would say of amps in that price range, I would put that in my top five as amps I have not seen take a crap so easily, right? So, and like I said, I've had that amp and I've, I've kind of, you know, I've played them and, and again, I'm not very, I'm very, not very nice to my stuff. I'm kind of abusive to it. To me, if I buy it, I want to use it. Michael Stevens says it helps if you have a degree from MIT to play Mesa. No, I think Mesa, I, I understand where you come from. Uh, Mesa got a lot of knobs, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think uh, Mesa is like a lot of amps. You just got to have a, a love of it. So, you know, uh, I found the love in those amps, but yes, for years I would go, God, this is like a spaceship. So, all right. And then I think what we'll end on is I didn't share this. I feel bad. We did a t-shirt swap today. Uh, let me show you the shirt. Look at this. So does this look weird? It does, right? It's like a monster. Look, it says monster on it. When I say it look weird, it's supposed to. So I got this sent to me. This is the Flatwoods Monster. I got uh, like everything. It was like a swag pack. So you guys know a lot of you've been sending me uh, t-shirt swaps and I haven't been getting to them. And it's really hitting me real fast that we only do four episodes a month. And as soon as like four or five, you send in a shirt. I'm like, I'm a month two out. Uh, so thank you who sent me the Flatwoods Monster. I, I got a book. I got stickers. I got cards. I got uh, everything about this. I actually been learning about this Flatwood Monster. Uh, so and um, and uh, welcome to Flatwoods, home of the Green Monster. So uh, really interesting. Thank you for sharing me with me this. Uh, I gave your information to my wife so she can send you out a shirt. If you uh, don't hear from her or you don't get the shirt, let me know. Just uh, pmcknight7 at gmail.com. 
and uh, I'll make sure you get square away. Thank you again for the shirt swap. So this one was obviously I don't think they're promoting a band or anything because obviously this is like a museum, but I think they just wanted to share their their thing with us. So I appreciate that. And like I said, if I haven't got to your shirt, if you sent a shirt, I'm getting to it. If you haven't sent a shirt and you're thinking about doing it, I would caution you. It would be a while, so you probably want me to wait till I start soliciting it more. Because I made the mistake of like one, not in a row, but I did like one or two weeks where I didn't share the shirt of the week. The, like this one, the Flywoods Monster. And the problem is exactly what I said. <laughs> I'm getting like six shirts and, and, and then I only did two in that month. So it puts me way behind. So I wasn't thinking about it. Sometimes when I'm thinking of the show, that's the last thing that I thought about is I got to do that. So maybe I'll do that better. And then this week was off a little bit. So on that note, I'm going to let you guys go. I have some cool videos this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's videos with the Charvel, uh, the interface. Um, I saw, did I grab that question? I did. Brent, since I remember that question from the beginning of the show when I grabbed early riser questions, Brent was one of the first questions in the first 10. He said, your video this week on the audio interface was great. Why did you choose the Neve over the Universal Audio Volt? Uh, he's talking about the Volt V2 pedal, our interface. Uh, very simple. Uh, so, you know, uh, I would be totally happy with the Volt. I don't not have the Volt anymore. So, you know, uh, somebody even asked me if I'd sell it. I don't want to sell the Volt. I have the Volt. I really like the Volt. For the price, I'm extremely happy with it. Um, what happened was, and I think I was clear in the video, but then, of course, you know, at some point the video has to end, so I don't go into, you know, so much detail about it. Um, I uh, picked the Volt over the Scarlet, was totally happy, which is what I said in the video, and then that led me of like, well, then what else am I missing, which was my mistake. Started trying the uh, Apollo and of course the Neve fell in love with the Neve the Apollo as well too but the Neve even more so and so the question is and if you notice here's the deal with that if you notice what I said in the video is really simple I said it uh, I was hoping it was conveying the message I try to do that when I do videos like that look the ox and the Neve is all I need I'm very happy I'm very very pleased with it um, it's it's more than I've been looking for and what I get and for the, for what it is, it's extremely expensive. And I know a lot of you are not going to be able to justify that because you have a YouTube channel or whatever. So that's why I pointed out that the Captor X and the Volt is, think of this, the Captor X and the Volt combined are less than either one of those products, the Neve or the Universal Audio. So you can definitely get the same thing I had. Um, the point I did was I did the Neve video with the Aux because I really wanted you to just hear that. I didn't want to compare it. I wanted you to hear it. I will do the Universal Audio uh, uh, Volt 2 and the Captor X with the same SG, the same setup, same amp, and I'm going to be putting it on the second channel. It's not going to be very produced like this one, but you'll be able to hear the sound in a, in a reference point because I wanted that. I wanted you to be able to have a reference of those two things. So to answer your question, I got rid of, I didn't get rid of the Volt, but why did I pick the Neve? The Neve is better. I liked it better, but it's expensive. And if you're not in the market for that, I think if you got the Volt, you'd be happy. I would gladly tell you, truthfully, if I just would have had the Volt and not tried anything else, I would have been happy. I wasn't unhappy. I made the gear math problem a mistake I thought and part of that is not just me it's also like this compulsion of like if I could just make the videos better if I could just make this experience better for people if I could make the lighting a little better if I could make the video a little better if I could make the audio a little better everything will be a little better <laughs> so there is a little bit of a a, a a chase that that I have to do or I, I do and uh, that's why I try to convey that in my videos and in these conversations so you guys know it's just not like 
you don't need all this stuff. But also, I want you to know, this is the stuff I'm using. So there you go. I will tell you a little secret. It's not a secret. I will tell you a secret. It's not a secret. I will tell you something to take a uh, notice of. Uh, not every video, but I will say 90%. And actually, it's, it's re higher than 90%. 90% of the time that you see me do a video and it says this video is sponsored by Sweetwater or it's brought to you by Sweetwater, that has more to do with me and less to do with my channel. What I mean by that is the Sweetwater guys were the first to talk to me about this idea of like talking about my behind the scenes, like show you my podcast rig, show you. Remember, I never talked about my Kemper until Sweetwater sponsored a video. My guitar collection was a sponsor Sweetwater video. It's because what I'm doing is, is I'm trying to do two things. I'm trying to have a video that's about me, which normally I just never saw the point of doing. I was like, well, let's make a video about the products that people are interested in, not what I have what I'm doing behind the scenes, the, the, um, like, do you care what lav mic I use, <laughs> right? What mics I'm using? Um, you know, what mic am I using to mic acoustics, stuff like that. I didn't know if that was interesting. And the Sweetwater guys were kind of the first guys to say, yeah, that is interesting. And, and, uh, and they said, we'll sponsor that content because obviously they see the value is, you know, obviously they get their name out there, which is what they're after. So where I, why I tell you that is, is that, um, Honest to goodness, honest to goodness, uh, it is, I'm using, well, I'm use, I'm working with Sweetwater using their resources, they're using my resources to bring really the stuff I really care about to you guys. <laughs> like I said, it's the stuff I'm really, me, me personally is passionate about. Um, so if you watch that video and you kind of feel like, wow, I don't know if I can relate to this, it's not about I'm trying to show you something for you, I'm just showing you what I'm doing. And, uh, and uh, also, uh, uh, I know some of the, maybe the concern is like, oh, well, it's a Sweetwater video. So they're just telling them to, you know, show this stuff to you guys. And it's actually the opposite. I'm, it's actually stuff I'm interested in. So, you know, with that Neves thing, um, that was exactly that. It was, I, I was talking to Sweetwater, telling them basically how I changed, you know, my interface and stuff. And so then I just started going down the round hole with them going, what else can I try? What else can I try? And, and I'm doing that right now. So, you know, unfortunately with mics and I'm learning the hard way for those of you, the, the three people <laughs> that watch this channel for non-guitar related stuff are far, sorry, that's guitar related stuff, but our engineers are sound, sound. I am feeling your pain now. I had no idea that mics cost as much and more than guitars. And I've been buying mics lately and it's, it's a very unpleasant experience for me. Maybe I'll share that with you because I've been buying mics that I think are going to improve things around here, but also <sighs> all I can think about is I could buy a really nice guitar for that. And it's just a mic. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll share that with you next uh, as well. As always, guys, I want to thank you so much for hanging out. Guys, if you want more, you can watch the Zach Wild video. And, and trust me, he is more than entertaining. And it was really a fun experience. And then uh, I have more videos this week. And then, of course, I'll see you guys next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right, guys. As always, I want to thank you so much for your time. Till the next time. There you go.